if every headline an agent or a manager reads about Oklahoma City or Oklahoma is bad news about COVID, they're just going to skip the market. Hi, I'm Matthew Variapa, and you're listening to Songwriters and Tour Writers. On this episode is Chad Whitehead. Chad is one of the partners behind Tower Theater and Ponyboy, a venue and bar located in Oklahoma City. And like many in the music industry, he has had to deal with his business and livelihood suddenly being at risk. From heavily reduced revenue and layoffs, Tower Theater and other venues have spent the last year just trying to survive. But as we all look ahead and make plans for 2021, Chad gives a possible time this year for when indoor concerts could return to Oklahoma. All of that and more on this episode of Songwriters and Tour Writers. I'm Chad Whitehead, and I am the talent buyer and operating partner at Tower Theater, which also includes uh, Pony Boy, our venue and bar next door, and then hopefully in uh, 2021, Beer City Music Hall. When did you guys kind of reopen Tower Theater since it, it had been you know shut down for so long? So I think 2017 was the, the magic year for, for Steven Tyler and I. That's when we came on board, helped finish off the, the build out to Tower Theater and start running it as a full-blown concert venue. Previous to that, it had undergone a pretty extensive renovation uh, from a real estate development side. But before that, it, like to your point, it, it had sat abandoned for almost two decades and was really, you know, held together by the the good intentions and the belief and the dreams of some awesome developers who ultimately sold it. Uh, but Stephen and I came around in 2017 and have crammed the calendar at tower as full as we can from august of 2017 up until march of 2020 this year when obviously everything came to a grinding halt uh we did reopen in in uh september and we did a, a few socially distanced covid shows um september october november probably did half a dozen or so and then in december we kind of pulled the plug again uh, the numbers in, in OKC were just getting so bad that it didn't make sense to even try. So that's kind of where we're at right now for 2021. We, uh, we're we not looking to do a whole lot of publicly ticketed events at Tower, and we'll just kind of hold off and wait for a return to regular business, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so three years in now, is this kind of the most difficult it has kind of been, you know, opening and running this place? Oh, that's a great question, Matthew. I I think the struggles of Tower from 2017 to today have each been their own journeys, but it's sort of like a hurdle race. You can't clear the fifth hurdle until you've cleared the four hurdles in front of that one, or at least made an attempt. And this has been such a painful year, uh, having to lay off really wonderful employees, having to cancel or postpone really exciting shows, not even getting to announce some shows that I'd worked really hard to bring to Oklahoma City. All of that was exquisitely painful. However, 
Tower has had its own uh, other painful seasons previous to this, and and it definitely kind of helped season us so that when 2020 hit, it just felt like another wave that we needed to um, to, to to get on the other side of to get out to sea, uh, and really that kind of fits our metaphor. We've always envisioned Tower as this boat that we're building while it's on the water. <laughs> and that was kind of the challenge with being thrown into tower like like we were. We really had the opportunity to jump in, but the opportunity was only ours if we could book it by August and get it open and get it running. So we've always kind of been building this boat while it's at sea, had to raise money and and just stuff that takes usually <laughs> several years to do. We just kind of had to do in one summer while we were building out tower and hanging lights and sound and installing a bunch of stuff. And so it has been a nonstop three years. Um, this year has been different because it's the opposite of nonstop. It's full stop. Would you say, I guess that this business just kind of like, this is kind of the way it goes, you know, um, you really have to like hustle all the time. There isn't like a, a moment's rest. I think that's absolutely true. And I think it takes a weird kind of person to even want to get into the live music business for that very reason. There's really never a break. It's kind of always just stays in existence. If it stays in motion, a band that stops being in motion starts to struggle and loses that momentum. The same is true of a venue. And it just takes so much to build that collective energy and to get it going and then sustaining it and like you said like the the strange thing about last year i guess now um is that it was the the big pause it was slowing down no shows nothing really happening um how did you guys kind of navigate like the complete opposite of like momentum and it was tough because we had to we had to let go a lot of really good gig employees you know people who just work the shows bartenders techs and stuff like that um we had to do that pretty immediately in march and we thought at the time in good faith hopefully this will just be a few months um we'll get back to it i think all of us kind of had a naive hope that we might be able to duck this thing um but then as the summer went on we spent a lot of energy trying to figure out how to open as kind of a, a COVID model and what that could look like. And my partner, Steven and the rest of the team put in an incredible amount of work trying to think through all those logistics. We took out 200 seats in the balcony, physically removed them out of the building just to make more space for less people. <laughs> Spent a lot of time just trying to qualify for all the grants and the loans. Um, those programs have been super life, life-saving but the hoops you got to jump through pretty intense. And so we've spent a lot of time this year just trying to figure out what our financial outlook is, how long is our runway, uh, what are our best ways to stretch that runway, and ultimately, how do we just exist until this is over? So that's where a lot of the work has gone this year. So it's like almost nothing on paper. It's just all like in your brain, uh, in conversation, hours long conversation, just trying to solve logistical pieces. And, and then there's just been a lot of time. There's been a lot of extra time. You know, if you're used to running shows until midnight, four nights a week, 
I don't care what else you're doing with your day. Your day is going to be a lot more open. And I want to be very upfront that I am not the person who's at all the shows anymore. Uh, I was back in 2017 and, and earlier in my life when I was a young man, uh, a younger man. Uh, but without shows, there's just a lot more time in the schedule. And so that's been a weird year. It's given a lot of time for reflection, gave me time to work on uh, scene skeleton, which is a little side project that I, I put together just to try to stay connected to the music space. Uh, we did a live stream from Pony Boy. We did a couple seasons of that. And uh, those were really fun. But yeah, it's, it's been a, a very strange, slow year of just hurry up and wait. Was there a moment like, I guess, near towards like March when you realized, oh, this this changes everything. This I'm going to have to immediately like rethink like our entire business. I think you remember that that jazz thunder game. Remember that night? the way that that sort of the, the news blast of the game was about to start and it got called off because of COVID. And fans, due to unforeseen circumstances, the game tonight has been postponed. You are all safe. The NBA is suspending all contests following the conclusion of Wednesday's schedule of games to determine its next steps in regards to the coronavirus pandemic. Rudy Gobert has tested positive for the coronavirus uh, that was learned in Oklahoma City prior. That was a pretty dark night of the soul. Uh, and then the next morning, things just started canceling and postponing almost immediately. It was like the whole country was watching the was watching the news on ESPN. Yeah, and just for those that perhaps are just joining us, just to give a, a, a clip's notes of what happened tonight in Oklahoma City. They kept saying Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City, COVID, 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 Oklahoma City, COVID, COVID. We do not want to create a panic or overreact. Governor Kevin Stitt addressing the public on Thursday afternoon to announce three confirmed COVID-19 cases here in our Oklahoma city. city. Oklahoma City, COVID. Scott, it, it, it's still unclear to me the sequence of events okay. before the game in Oklahoma City, but... COVID, COVID, Oklahoma City, COVID, COVID. So the Jazz and Thunder will not play the game here tonight. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City. The new confirmed cases, not including the two Utah Jazz players, tested positive for the one just before Wednesday night's Thunder game. So everything that weekend got scrapped. And so... That was probably the first foray into just how awful it was going to be. For Tower Theater, our revenues in 2020 were down 90% from what they were the year before. Uh, so no business can really exist on 10% of their regular expected revenue. And so that is... Uh, indicative of how the concert calendar usually starts pretty slow january february very slow months in every venue in america march is really where you start to see the big pickup and so it was a, a pretty terrible time of year to uh to kill everything we had really set ourselves up for a for a nice nice weekend with a good bars at, at all the shows and all those disappeared almost by noon on the day after that jazz thunder game we went from, you know, deciding what we had to do with the staff to telling the staff the next day to trying to get everyone together that Sunday night. You know, we'd we'd had um, some fun DJs that were going to do a free show at, at uh, Pony Boy and 
of course, at that point, there was nobody out. So it ended up just being these great DJs from Dallas and like 10 people from our staff. And I remember trying to enjoy what this was because these were people we all cared a lot about. And obviously live music is something that we're passionate about, but it just felt so bad. It, it, it took the thing we all loved the most and it, it just took all the, the fun right out of it and the joy right out of it. And so that first weekend was pretty rough. And then you start extrapolating out the financial pieces and the calendar. And for the next two months, it was just this game of whack-a-mole where you'd reschedule a date and you'd fight all week long to clear a date for, for a show. And then two weeks later, they'd pick a new date. And, and finally, after a few months, everyone just sort of like gave up trying on stuff like that and just kind of took a break from that. Oh, I can't wait for a regular business. <laughs> How many people did you guys have to to lose um during the those initial months uh i'm not sure our exact numbers but we had a crew of around 40 and i'd say at this point it's it's under 15 you know and so we we had to let a lot of good people go and early on that was the best thing we could do because they could claim unemployment and it was really tough ending 2020 not knowing where we were going to go in 2021. I think, you know, that the Save Our Stages relief package has been passed was a huge, huge positive note to end the year on because it let all the venues in America kind of breathe a sigh of relief and go, okay, I can at least sort of plan for being in business after this thing, you know, wraps itself up. Uh, and that's where Tower's at right now. We're, we're waiting to apply for the Save Our Stages program. Uh, and we're really grateful that uh, the the funding has come through for that. And obviously, the the city has done some incredible things for venues this year, and uh, the state and the federal government as well. It's like this giant combination of things that have had to happen just to keep venues in business. And a lot of them haven't. A lot of venues have closed, and uh, that that is so painful to think about. And that's happened in other cities all across this country. And for now, I'm just very grateful that the Tower and Pony Boy aren't going to be in that category. And, and that's just because of the funding mechanisms that, that have landed because of Save Our Stages. What have been the other options that you've like explored? I mean, before the pandemic, you guys were already kind of like really stretching into a lot of different avenues. Um, you had like a film club. Uh, you had um, a rentable space, you know, for, for parties and events. Um, what successes have there been in... Uh, where are you planning on taking those? I think during the pandemic, the victories will all be and have just been symbolic. You know, any anything that we can do is is for morale. So the live stream from Pony Boy was an early response to the pandemic, and, and now in hindsight, it was like we were rocking four Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night live streams from Pony Boy within a week of everything kind of closing down. We jumped in there and, and um, the, the victories there though, were just helping pay artists. And so we fundraised to pay for those episodes, which allowed us to pay the artists and pay the, the techs, uh, some of those gig workers and some of those bartenders. So that was the success of those. Um, live streams are not really financially viable. They're just for fun, you know? So I think, 
we quickly realized that if we're going to do stuff like that, it, it's just for the love of music. It's not a, a revenue winner, you know? Part of what we do is try to be as creative and as uh, innovative as possible. So, and I don't take credit for that. That that goes to the team and, and the, their creativity and the, and the logistics and, and the rollout of all that kind of stuff. Since March on, has there been a lot of like conversation with other venue owners, you know, around, around the country and the city? You know, I don't speak a lot with other venue owners in the city. Uh, I think there's a good rapport and a strong desire for everybody to be successful, but it's hard to communicate on day-to-day stuff because, you know, inherently there's a bit of competition just because we're in a, a limited city with limited people and limited options. You know, I spent a lot of time talking with agents, talking with other people like me, uh, a lot of talent buyers, a lot of promoters. And uh, it has been a very unifying year in the sense that all of us have had our livelihoods um, impacted. All of us have had our job security threatened. Um, All of us have worked really hard to build something that we're really proud of only to watch it melt right before our eyes and then scramble to try to keep it alive. And so one of the positives, if I can find any, is that there's a lot more communication than there ever has been. And there's a, uh, there's a lot more open-handed communication where venues and agents and buyers like me are just really stripping away a lot of the superfluous pieces to the business and just getting right down to it. And so it's been a very unifying year just in how how bleak it is. Uh, that does give me hope for the future, though. I'm excited about where this industry is going. The biggest question here is like, save our stages, like that money is really meant to just like sustain venues until we get to a point of like reopening. So do you have any kind of like hopes or ideas of like when concerts are going to come back in a semi-regular occurrence here in the metro area or um, when what stuff needs to happen to get there? You know, I don't think you're going to see a lot uh, this year until after Labor Day, I don't think anybody's going to do a ton of stuff before then indoors. I think everybody's looking for outdoor options for the summertime, looking for pods or small gatherings or whatever they can do. There's going to be a lot of that. Um, but I think regular tours are looking at the fall right now. And they're kind of not messing with anything between now and then because a tour has got to have a nice run of cities that are all in the clear before it's going to make sense for them to get out on the road. I think in Oklahoma city, you'll see a lot more of the Texas country and red dirt come back the fastest just because they can, they can sneak up for a weekend. But if you're a a band from California (laughs) I don't think you're going to make it to Oklahoma city anytime soon until all this is done. Cause you know, you've got to have a route that'll allow for you to safely play all the way through and, and get back home. Uh, nobody wants the PR disaster of, Oh, our crew got sick and we got 10 venues sick before we realized like, you know, just the, by the nature of the pandemic, it's just a, it's a tour killer. Um, you just can't throw a bunch of people on a bus. <laughs> and hope they don't get sick. I mean, it's just, there's absolutely no way to do it. So 
I think you'll see stuff come back after Labor Day. I'm really curious if the big festivals are going to happen in 2021. Uh, I'm hearing insider talk that the biggest festivals are, are close to trying to announce some things like lineup stuff for this year, which to me seems incredibly daring. But, uh, you know, it's not my job to try to figure out the safety logistics for a giant festival. But uh, I am hearing that, you know, they're going to try for it. And so we'll see the, the industry really watches those festivals and, and a lot of tours and a lot of travel decisions get made based on those dates. And so uh, that'll be interesting to see if, if those tent poles actually happen. For markets like Oklahoma City, we're, we're a one day's drive to Nashville. And so kind of keeping an eye on what is going to happen out there, I think will inform a lot of what we can do here. And then Austin is kind of another city that is easy to, to jump onto from Oklahoma City. So I keep an eye on those two cities. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a while. We're going we're gonna to all be sitting around waiting for concerts for another eight months, I think. So we'll see. Everybody's really hopeful, though. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hope in the industry that, um, that by fall we can really be after it and, and trying to get back to normal. And, uh, and then it really becomes a race of can the state of Oklahoma hit the, the timeline that everyone else is hitting and, and, and not gum it up? Because if, if we can't get our act together as a state, if, if every headline an agent or a manager reads about Oklahoma City or Oklahoma is bad news about COVID, they're just going to skip the market. They're going to they're going to skip the state. It's it, we're not New York City. Nobody has to play Oklahoma. Nobody. I mean, people want to play where they want to play, and obviously, there's a really special room up in Tulsa that that has earned its right to be a pretty special place. Um, so that might be the exception that bands just really want to play there. But otherwise, tours will just skip our city. They'll skip our state if we we don't have our COVID numbers kind of on pace with everybody else. I guess during that period where you guys briefly, you know, held shows again from, you said September to December? Yeah, we did like September, October, November. During that period, um, what was it kind of like day-to-day uh, -day working on through all this? Well, the, the team really, really tackled the logistics the physical, what are you going to do in the room? What are guests going to do in the room? What are we expecting? What are we asking? How are we making things successful? And so we innovated in some really great ways. We, we scrapped our bar program and we shifted the whole thing to table service. So you can't get up and go to the bar. You know, you just have to sit at your table and we had a server that would serve you. And our servers looked pretty awesome. They had masks on and then they had those plastic shields as well. So like we weren't, we weren't messing around with our, with our team at all. Um, we made, we did merch that way. You could sit at your table and just punch in on your merch order. And then it would just get delivered to your seat while you were in the show at the show. And it just got added to your bar tab. So like we really rebuilt some systems to do some things like that, that I'm really proud of. Like we did some really cool, cool things to, to try to just think through thoughtfully. How do we do this? We, you know, you showed up at tower, and we had a, we, we basically had a, a concierge there that was like, Oh, great. You're here for the show. And we kind of talk you through the thing, um, talk you through the COVID kind of, are you feeling well, all those types of things. And then we had someone else who would, would seat 
guests at their table. And there was no, you couldn't buy a ticket at the door. So again, there's no places for any lines or any queue of people to develop. And so we really thought through that stuff and man, we're really proud of, of the logistic work that we did. Um, but as the numbers grew, it did get pretty concerning. And then the biggest learn that we took away from all that is that the success of the show relative to COVID really depended on the style of music and the artists buy-in whether or not COVID was a, a serious consideration or not. So we learned really quickly that if you book a band that doesn't care about COVID, their fans aren't going to care either. And then as soon as they're like, Hey, everybody come up front and party. There's no means to like undo that. <laughs> and, and that didn't happen. Um, at least not often. Uh, I think it happened one time during an encore. And that was like, that was kind of the, okay, we're, we're, we're pretty much done here. Uh, and the staff was pretty rightly freaked out by all that, but um, we really had to just lay out and say no to a lot of stuff and just look for artists that were also willing to journey with us as thoughtfully as we could to, to make something successful. And we had a few of those and um, we might have a few more in 2021. I'm not actively looking for them though. And they'll probably just, I'm, I'm going to stay pretty local and um, mostly just keep our eye on the horizon for when regular concerts can be a thing again. I feel like one thing that's happened in the last kind of year is kind of, I don't know, I, always, I just got the sense of like people really trying to support like people geographically cl close to them um, who were really impacted by like their tour basically shutting down and um, not being able to promote their new album and a whole host of other stuff. Well, just, just in Oklahoma City, we, we had some tremendous movement in the local scene. Husbands was on a rocket ship and had booked some really cool festival-type stuff. Um, God, uh, LCG and the X, I mean, their album release show was like that weekend. It would have been at Speakeasy. I mean, they were just about, and that's a terrific album that they really didn't get to show off in, in the you know, playing all these shows. Um, JB, I mean, he put out a great album last year, but you, when you can't tour on an album, there's no money in that, you know, it's just, it's kind of a break even game. And so we just had a lot of artists that, that lost a lot of momentum. And that is just so hard to watch happen because the more you're in this business, the more you see that it's not a foregone conclusion that you're going to be successful more often than not, you're not going to be successful. And so to see great artists, you know, climbing the ranks in our town and then just get chopped off at the knees is just brutal. So I'm really committed as a citizen of Oklahoma city. And as a, as a buyer, I want to do everything I can to pump up our local scene when we come out of this. And I hope that that is not just a fleeting feeling that I have, I really hope it's something that all of us can commit to because we do have some good talent in this town. We've got some fantastic talent, but the six years I've lived here, it kind of always feels like the, the, the indie scene, at least in Oklahoma city is just always kind of like reloading and there'll be like little bits of success here and there, but I want it to coalesce as a, as a, as a scene. 
where we can have a lot of success coming up out of that. And we can start putting these bands on the road and they can start finding their, their, their fortune and fame, not just in our town, but in, in other cities. And, and so I really hope we can all as a city commit to helping our artists regain that momentum and then just level up as fans and then just stay there. It's not on the artists to level up our music scene. They have a part to play, no question. But us as fans have a huge part to play as well. And the venues have a part as well. And so uh, I really want to, <laughs> this is my secret. I'm going to tell you my secret, Matthew. I want to rethink the way that venues work with local bands. And I, as a buyer, want to just find a groove with those 10 to 15 artists and just find the, find the style of show that works, find the price point that works, find the, the dollar amount where everybody wins. And then I just want to line it up say, great, pick your dates, pick your dates and just go. You want, you want to play pony boy four times a year. Great. Pick your dates. Let's get it locked in now and start working with artists where I don't want to be their manager, but I want to find who those bands are and, and I want to be a willing partner in helping them achieve what their goals are because none of our bands in Oklahoma city get to get agents and managers and tour in other cities until they can sell out rooms in Oklahoma city. They've got to have that data. The industry needs to see that data. It's not just paying a cover because the cover doesn't get reported to Polestar, but if I can help them sell actual tickets at a place like Pony Boy or Beer City or you know Tower, which is harder because it's just a bigger room, but I can submit that to Polestar and they can bank on that and the industry can start to see something's happening here in Oklahoma City. And so those are the types of moves that I'm really excited to make. Uh, I really want Pony Boy to be just that really special local, local venue where I don't want to take away from what other great venues are doing in our town. I just think we need a dozen more small rooms in Oklahoma city so that bands are just packing the weekend. And I think, you know, our city's not ready for a dozen of those right now, but I'd like to see us continue to grow into that with the smaller rooms. When we do kind of, if not by fall, um, kind of get to a point of like having concerts come back in some shape and or fashion, like what do you think they'd even look like? Like, um, I remember there there was a lot of news about that Flaming Whips uh, concert and they were going to have every person <laughs> attend with their own like bubble. I don't expect that at kind of extreme, but do you think there, there are going to be substantive changes of how, you know, everyone's expected to conduct themselves, socially distance, wear masks? You know, I think it remains to be seen. I think we're all just kind of waiting to see if, a month from now, do we sort of have a agreed upon national timeline of how long it's going to take to roll out this vaccine? And I think that will dictate everything in the, in the tour world. I'm not sure how interested fans and bands are going to be to tour and to go to concerts, though, if we don't all as a nation collectively feel like we're on the other side of the pandemic. And, and so I think the focus is holding out for the full version of shows that you can, you know, compare to what it was like before. 
there's not much interest in doing these tiny shows with tiny crowds with, you know, just a lead singer and a guitar, stuff like that. That's not what anybody wants. And so I think if anything, people will just hold on the fall and just reschedule it for the spring if we're not ready for it as a country and as a state. Um, but I hope, I hope personal responsibility will increase at concerts now that we've had a year and a half without them. Um, I know we all get pretty tired of people, you know, bumping into us or talking too much or recording the whole thing on their phone. And, and there's a lot we can get better on, but man, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like public health wise when we come back, we're game for it though. I mean, tower, we just want to do concerts. We believe that what we're doing is important culturally uh, to our city and to our community. And we think that in a world where less and less people go to church, that concerts and, and live sports become one of those last places where you can connect with people and, and, and share in something together that moves you. And to me, that's a really special and sacred responsibility. And I know our team feels that way too. And so we want to get back to it in a way that honors uh, what live music really is which is sort of this collective chance to share something together that's special. And it's been really hard to do that when everyone's pretty rightly freaked out about the, uh, the chance of catching uh, this pandemic. And so I want to do concerts where all of us can buy a ticket. And when you buy a ticket, you're sort of agreeing to a, a social con contract. And I love that part of it. But the other thing you're doing when you buy a ticket is, is you're saying to someone else, hey, I need you to handle some of these important considerations so that I can just show up and have a good time. And, and it's been really hard to have a good time at a concert during COVID or at anything, at the grocery store. I mean, nothing, nothing is as fun as it used to be because there's a level of, of serious consideration and concern. So I'm hopeful of a carefree day for concerts where uh, we can just go and just enjoy ourselves again. And I believe that we'll get there. And I have to hope that we will. Otherwise, you know, what am I doing? I guess now that we're nearing the end, you know, what are the plans uh, for the future? I know it's like really hard to plan for the future in this day and age, but um, is there anything that you kind of have a long lens on trying to do? Yeah. Um, so Tower's got a, a, we've got a few more cards to play that I can't speak on today, but we'll, we'll come to light at some point. Uh, and that's been a tremendous focus for us. As we come into 2021, the focus is how do we thoughtfully reopen Pony Boy with a very limited um, service? You know, it's not going to be a concert venue or anything, but we do need to get that open uh, for our neighborhood and, and for our bartenders and, and for our financial responsibilities. So that's a big, a big focus. Um, Beer City Music Hall. We have <laughs> really been fighting for several years now to bring Beer City Music Hall to Oklahoma City. Uh, it's a 500 cap venue. Uh, it's just right behind Stone Cloud Brewery, if, you, if you're familiar with that area over there. It's uh, Northwest 2nd and Klein. And uh, I'm really excited about what that's going to do for our, 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 our market. And the industry is really excited because a 500 cap is not something we've had in Oklahoma City. And so there's a real need for it. 
Um, there's a lot of great bands that we're not getting to see on those $15 tickets that um, will help me make Tower more successful in, in the long run because people will have seen bands as they've you know grown up. And then trying to just load the bases with concerts so that we can catch up as much as possible. We desperately want to help our employees catch up and, and not just catch up, but like be successful in the industry that they've chosen to be in and, and they've put the work in. And so we got to get back to it and be really committed to doing the boring things right now. Like are all our documents up to date? <laughs> Is our tech specs current and accurate? Are there, what's those random parts of the building that just always collect clutter? Let's make sure we get them figured out and find homes for everything. And so that's, that's the boring stuff we're going to have to be committed to right now so that the 18 months after the pandemic are going to go really smoothly and be really successful. And so it feels like a long way off, but our, our tower team has gotten really busy these last few days. And I think it's just going to continue into a return to concerts. And so I don't know. We'll have to listen back on this in a year and see how, how right or wrong I was on my, on my forecast. But I think at least the good news is with Save Our Stages is that there's optimism and there's hope. And when there's hope, hope will sustain anything. Uh, and our team is energized by hope. And so we're in a really good spot as a team right now. And, and we're really committed to finding new levels of success for, for Tower, for Pony Boy, and also for Beer City. That's it for this episode. Find out more about Chad Whitehead at KOSU.org. Also check out his radio show, About What You'd Expect. You can listen to his radio show Saturdays from 9 to 10 p.m. on The Spy. Songwriters and Tour Writers is a production of KOSU in the service of Oklahoma State University. Our editor is Ryan McCroy, and our cover art was created by Terry Ferris. You can find Songwriters and Tour Writers wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Matthew Viriapa. KOSU has a podcast to bring you news on what's happening in the state of Oklahoma. The KOSU Daily includes local headlines. State Impact reporters will bring us the latest on education, health care, and criminal justice. And we have news focusing on agriculture and rural issues, as well as indigenous affairs. You can subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The KOSU Daily, Oklahoma News, every weekday.